and welcome to the podcast of Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Samuel Bren, and I always get him to grin when I say the opener. It's the one. It's the only. Brandon Ellis, and he is right. I started laughing partially because of the way he always says, Do You Know the Mob? But it's all, also it's, the opener. It's all in the performance. It's all in the hey, delivery. We're all performers here. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you, do you have a favorite conspiracy theory? <laughs> oh, man. Um, favorite that I believe in or favorite that I find wildly crazy? You know, I just don't see how people could believe in no conspiracy theory. I understand you can't believe in all of them, but like, come on. You know, you think the government's 100% out there for us? <laughs> think, they're, think they're batting 1,000 over here? <laughs> they're probably not batting 1,000. Um, uh, what is two? your, what's one you believe in? What's one you believe oh, in? Oh, oh, man. <laughs> this could be, oh, this gosh. could backfire. This could get you canceled. <laughs> this could get me canceled. I'm trying to think of something that's so old that no one gives a rip about anymore. <laughs> Do you think um, they were warned about Pearl Harbor? Do you think Pearl Harbor was they should have they could have said something or done something? Well, like any good politician, I'm gonna pivot this question, Sam, to talk about uh, Pearl Harbor for a minute. Okay. So interesting tidbit of information on Pearl Harbor, Sam. They were mm-hmm. actually trying to uh pull, I think is it pull their ambassadors out or officials out of DC before it happened? No, they were trying to give they're trying to give a war. They were trying to let the United States know rather than just pull up surprise and let them know, like, hey, we're going to cut off talks with you guys. So I'm smelling I'm smelling a little conspiracy. You're not buying I, everything about Pearl Harbor. I think that could be conspiracy theory. Price. Some of it's been documented, but it could be conspiracy theory. I see. Now, what's your favorite one you've heard of ever? <laughs> I think that they faked the moon landing. <laughs> but Brandon, the flag was moving. The flag was it moving. Was moving. <laughs> they can't move. There's no wind up there. <laughs> Mythbusters tested. I'm pretty confident they proved that it's impossible to fake. Dude, I missed that show. Mythbusters was a good one. That and Dirty oh, Jobs. I like Dirty oh. Jobs. Oh. <laughs> I have a book written by who was Mike Mike Rowe. I have yes. a book written by him. He also has a podcast, which is pretty good. Well, you know, we have to be second place to somebody. So <laughs> I'm second place to micro. I'm OK with that. We'll sleep good at night. <laughs> I will. Well, Brandon, for our trivia, we're going to do a, uh, you know, I think I believe in you. I believe in you in this one. OK, I think you can do this. All right. I want you. I'm going to give you a tip after I do it. So don't freak out yet. OK, but I want you to name the top 10 biggest stadiums in America. Now, here's your tip. Here's your advice, your uh, your hint. They're all college football stadiums. So so that way you don't even have to think NBA or NFL. The college football ones hold the biggest uh, stadiums, apparently, in our country. Oh, yeah, that's if good to know because my first thought was it's got to be college football for most of them. Well, I'm kind of surprised. I really thought NFL would have more. But no, these old-time college football stadiums, I think because they – have a little more bleacher made on some of them, old school, whereas NFL, they have the nice seats for everybody. But anyways, so give us your top 10. Here we go. 
In no particular order, folks, I know that Neyland Stadium, University of Tennessee is one of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go University of Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, University of Florida. Okay. uh, Georgia. SEC, I like it. Yep. Alabama. Okay. Um, Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I don't know about this one. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know about Clemson, but I, I believe in that. So I'm going to throw Clemson out there. Uh, Just like a conspiracy theory, if you believe it. <laughs> you believe it. If you believe what they're telling you about Clemson. Uh, let's see. I got four more. I'm thinking of the different stadiums I've been in and know of the teams there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to throw Texas A&M out there. I think that's a pretty big school. Um, while I'm there... Do you believe in your Sooners, or do you believe in your I've actually never them? been to a home game there, but I don't oh. think so. But I'm going to throw in there as the wild card since you fed me that a You need bit. to go sometime. Oklahoma. Yeah, you need to go oh, sometime. I've been to watch them play in Tennessee twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. Once? Twice? No. Oh, okay, you just haven't seen them in their home stadium. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, three more. Uh, I think. Or, I've sorry, two more, because you said yep. Texas A&M. The and final two, I'm going to throw out – Okay. I'm gonna throw gonna USC guess. as my wild card. That's my wild card answer. Okay. And then for the last one, I am gonna throw. I'm gonna throw Auburn out. I'll throw Auburn out. Oh. Okay. Okay. You definitely stuck with the SEC, the South, as we like mm-hmm. to say. Um. But I uh, say that. Well, you. It was pretty good. You did miss. Um some of the the biggest ones most people don't realize this but the biggest ones are actually big 10 country as i'm oh my god oh oh, hi brandon come on Uh, oh it's okay so the biggest one number one is as i like as we like to call it the house michigan stadium take it to the house (laughs) oh and then number two is penn state stadium beaver stadium of course (laughs) and then number three Boo, Ohio Stadium. So the Buckeyes. Mm. Or as my dad likes to call them, peanut butter balls. <laughs> we don't curse in this household. <laughs> uh, number four, Kyle Field, Texas A&M. So you got that one right. Uh, number five, you got correct as well, Neyland Stadium, Tennessee. Shout mm-hmm. out to our University of Tennessee fans listening. Uh, number six, I don't think you said this, Tiger Stadium by LSU. I did LSU. not. I should have said that one. That's all right. Now, number seven, did you say Texas Memorial Stadium, University of Texas in Austin? I did say that was my first one or second one. Okay. And then Bryant-Denny Stadium based in Alabama. So you're right about that, Alabama's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia's Sanford Stadium is Georgia. And then number 10, the Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas. Number 11, very close, is the famous iconic Rose Bowl. So they're actually outside the top 10 now, which is kind of sad. Rose Bowl, that's USC, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if USC plays all their games there, but that's where the Rose Bowl is you know, located uh, every year. Okay. USC has played several historic games there. Um, the same with the Cotton Bowl in Dallas and so forth, so. Good job, Brandon. Uh, you knocked out some of the, L- the uh, SEC ones. I think you got about five, half of them there. So, or you know, I, had, I got down to three left, and I was like, I know I'm missing some big schools, and I just did not think about Big Ten. 
it's all right. You know, we sh- we shouldn't be forgotten, but we are sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so today's uh, episode, Brandon, is going to be from our our favorite fan, Spy Guy. Spy Guy, <laughs> he's back. <laughs> Let's See, do so, it. So Spy Guy emailed us about three dudes in Chicago, and we're like, oh, we're about to do those. He's like, oh, don't you worry. I've got three more that you guys definitely don't have. And he was right. He was right. So we're going to be in a city we have not been in before, Tampa. Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Shout out to your wife. So I know. (laughs) You'll have to tell her to listen in. We're doing some uh, mobsters in the Tampa area. So Mm, The dirty south. (laughs) <laughs> that, or as we like to call Florida, the north of the south. <laughs> the north of the south. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be doing a gentleman. I don't know if gentleman is the right word when I talk about these guys. A man <laughs> named Charlie Wall, or as his nickname is, the White Shadow. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> so, Brandon, starting out, Charlie Wall was born on March 10th, 1880. So we're getting back there in time a little bit. In oh, Tampa, man. Florida, mm-hmm. he has an interesting background. He was an orphan and adopted to parents who were very uh, famous and wealthy, named John Perry Wall and Matilda McKay. They were the Tampa mayor, and the lady and the mom was the daughter of a former Tampa mayor. So very political family. Have so. we had anyone that was the child of a mayor? I don't think we have. I feel like we might have had someone off to check. I think I feel like there was somebody out one of the outlaws in the West. I thought we did, but uh, I could be mistaken. I can't um, think. We've had some pre we've had some preacher kids. We've had some, uh, um, you know, people that came from an affluent background that for some reason went the other way. But this one's definitely. Yeah, definitely interesting. So. Uh, but a big giveaway to his childhood or why he became who he became, his mother did abuse him uh, uh, f- physically, and he actually developed a mental health issues, and he eventually shot his stepmother, <laughs> which oh. is horrible. Yeah. So as a result, I don't know why this was the punishment, but he was sent to military school. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you shoot your stepmom. Um, so he eventually was expelled from school, though, because he was visiting a brothel. (laughs) No, nice is not the right response, but (laughs) definitely not what we were. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was talking to a friend last week and there was something she said, like they were living in this town and they had to like her and her friends couldn't all lived there anymore because there was an old town rule where there were um you couldn't have more than three girls living in a house because it was considered a brothel even though they were all oh. roommates <laughs> oh my god <laughs> isn't that hilarious oh uh, my gosh yeah I know. so things you just <laughs> laws that Why never get that okay. i know <laughs> but anyway so i digress um wall rapidly gained status within the criminal underworld once he left school Uh, He had early endeavors in the operation of gambling, prostitution, illegal numbers rackets, the stuff we've heard before, the common spiel. Uh, He used his inheritance to fund illegal casinos and speakeasies. Brandon, always a fan of speakeasy, right? Mm -hmm. Classy. (laughs) Uh, 
Today's a day to speak easy. <laughs> They're crossing now. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's been alleged that he stayed in power by having law enforcement, judges, and politicians on his payroll. Now, that's a big help. That's a big <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, By the 1940s, uh, it was said that Santo Traficante Sr., who we're going to do in a later episode, uh, his crime syndicate became the city's most powerful in Tampa. And they had a gentleman's agreement with Charlie Wall um, that Charlie Wall would step aside and not get hurt, I guess. <laughs> and Wall did this, but not graciously. It was uh, it was said that they would um, that he would say silly things that he shouldn't say aloud about him and all that. But anyway, so during the 1920s, a turf war began between Wall and another gentleman. Um, and Brandon, I think we're going to go ahead and get into this, but I believe this is called the Era of Blood. So can you tell us what the Era of Blood was exactly? Yes. So as Sam alluded, in the late 1920s, 1930s era, it was a decade-long battle between Charlie Wall, who is who we're talking about, and Ignacio Antinori in, obviously, Tampa, Florida. I love how you pronounce that. You did that very well. <laughs> well, I tried. I apologize if we get this wrong. But um, a little bit of deep dive into what both of them were doing illegally at the time. They were both dealing in a game called Belita. Um, it's mm-hmm. a type of lottery that was popular in the area and among the working class minorities. And mm-hmm. we've talked about different trafficking games in the past, uh, penny games and stuff like that. This game is made up of 100 little number balls, which are placed in the bag. And you place bets on which number would be drawn. Um, obviously the game was rigged house always wins and so they kind of both dealt in that well some of the big highlights from this war is on march 8th 1938 wall's closest friend um or one of his closest associate or and i apologize again for names if aristo tito rubio was shot and killed on his porch so Mm. obviously that was a big deal to charlie wall so two years later, the war culminated on October 23rd, 1940, when Ignacio Antonori was killed by a shotgun blast to the head at the Palm Garden Inn in Tampa. Mm. So I, I thought it was interesting that it was a shotgun blast to the head in an inn. I wasn't able to find details on exactly because I was interested. I wasn't able to find details on exactly how it happened, mm. but I was imagining walking to a hotel and shooting and, a guy. And I had here that. Charlie Wall had made attempts at him, but they chalked it up as the criminal outfits in Chicago and St. Louis were dissatisfied and they supplied narcotics and they were the ones who shot him in the head. <laughs> you know, but, it's crazy. It's it's uh it's it's one of those things where you're like, this is interesting. I've never heard about this until now. Because mm-hmm. I until we start researching this, folks, I had never heard of the arrow blood. Hey, you gotta give it up to Spy Guy, man. He knows his he knows his mobsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so it was said that Wall would publicly badmouth who I mentioned earlier, Trif- Traficante family, if I'm pronouncing that right. Clifton came claimed to have called Wall to warn him to stop talking like that. And Traficante eventually did die in 1954. He died of um, just uh, health-related stuff. Um, but his son, so Santo Jr., decided he was going to put it into this. So... And then a year later, Charlie Wall was killed. However, they can't prove that it was Santo Jr. or whoever it was. His murder is still a mystery, I believe, to this day, Brandon. So that's where the story gets interesting. So oh, wow. Wall, yeah, yeah. So he Wall was murdered in his home on 1955. 
He was beaten with a blackjack. His neck was cut with a knife, and his head was battered with a baseball bat. Brandon, oh. what is a blackjack weapon exactly? I because I've only heard of blackjack the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah. a blackjack is a heavy leather pouch, usually eight to twelve inches long, filled with lead and sometimes a flexible steel rod, um, and it can easily be concealed. And it's funny you say that, Sam. In my notes, you know, one of the things it's talked about is that it can break bones and do some mm. serious damage. Apparently so. So we have a few different uh, conspiracies or uh, motives, things they try to look into. So according to one report, a confidential informant said Wall was at a bar earlier that night talking out loud and buying drinks for those damn tallies, which are, is slang for Italians. Which was oh, like, my gosh. So, yeah, I don't think he was making friends. Um, he was later driven home by a guy who is part of the Trificante uh, syndicate. So that's also an interesting, you know, lead. Uh, Wall's blood alcohol level was uh, reported as a 0.145. He also had a wife and a former wife who were early suspects in the lead as maybe a love triangle theory, but they didn't see anything from that. Um, Former bodyguards allegedly were working for Trificante at the time, so they were definitely suspects. Uh, There was also someone who was recently released from prison and once ran dope for Charlie Wall. Um, There was also a rumor that birdseed was discovered at the murder scene, according to one report. The Tampa Times wondered if it was left there as a symbol that Wall was killed for singing to the police. (laughs) So that was I can't I want that to kind of be true. <laughs> it's just it's so pretty good. Awesome. I'm like, oh, we gotta leave the bird seat around here. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder though if newspapers get a little too creative, but um so supposedly he might have testified to the Cooper Commission, who we had talked about in other podcast episodes mm-hmm. um that were investigating organized crime for the nation. The report says the bird seed came from the blackjack, a sack that is filled with substances such as pellets. Seeds of lead shot, so it may not have been, you know, birdseed after all. Uh, in 1959, Sam Trifconte agreed to pay the federal government $84,000, which is less than half of what the government had assessed them for income taxes and penalties. Uh, this was about a month later af- after the murder. So was it a coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, there is the mystery of the white shadow, Charlie Wall. Pretty, pretty wild ending. Uh, for his for his uh, his run. Well, it's interesting too. The name White Shadow Shadow questions about how he passed away. Can't really see mm-hmm. shadows, you know. Mm-hmm. The nickname <laughs> might have been given more after as well, but uh, but yeah, he went to war against some tough uh, mobsters in Tampa, and who knew Tampa had such a uh, market <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> so, but we'll talk about in our next episode um, some other Tampa mobsters, uh, the other the other gang. So, uh, uh, to be continued. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so thanks for listening, folks. To do you know the mob? I'm your co-host Sam Bren, and this is Brandon Ellis signing off.
Hey, listeners. Or as we like to say, our nosy neighbors. I'm Mary. And I'm Kylie. And we are the hosts of Sipping with Snapped, a true crime podcast. We cover well to not so well-known solved cases. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. See you in our neighborhood. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>